The Mad K Studio Show. Hey everybody, welcome to Mad K Studio Podcast. I'm Ken Madden and today we're going to do something really different that's way out of the talking about artwork and stuff we usually usually do. But I've got today one of my uh, friends from the Nomad Network, uh, Caleb Ifford. And we are, um, uh, we're going to talk today about just being dreamer artists and conceptualists and people that are always kind of projecting forward and looking at new ideas and what that means to everybody around you that you know in society when they all don't see your same uh, passion story. So anyway, Caleb, welcome. And, uh, you know, the nine people that are going to listen to this, I think are going to be better off for it. So if, uh, uh, if you'd like to, I'd, I'd like to just kind of have you give a little explanation of what you do. Uh, we just started talking about it. And I said, let's just record this. So, you know, he was talking about he was in the fitness industry and he's moved um, to a different kind of uh, coaching style. So uh, let's get into that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you got there and what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the fitness industry. Uh, well, I was in the fitness industry for about a decade. Uh, I taught everything from high profile athletes, uh, you know, guys that are in the, in the NFL. In the, <clears throat> excuse me. Guys that are in the NFL now. Uh, I've worked with those guys to high level bodybuilders. Uh, and then I kind of started working with older people and figured out I enjoyed that for a while. And I did that for a few years. And uh, I trained mostly people over 55. And eventually I just kind of got burned out. Uh, there were so, so many things that really drove me insane about the fitness industry that I had to get out. And so I did. I made a transition at the advice of some mentors of mine to transition to something that I've always had just an absolute fire of a passion for, and that is peak performance consulting and coaching. Um, and I can dive into that really deeply and get real personal if you want me to about why I have a deep burning passion for that. Well, I, I think I'm looking at more of the, you know, when you've done something for a certain amount of time, even if you were passionate about it for a long time, it does burn out. I had a very similar experience. And this kind of goes to the, you have something good going, why, why let it go? You know, it sounds like you'd, you've reached, you'd reached a pretty good position. Um, for me, I, was, uh, I started painting motorcycles, like custom painting on motorcycles and cars. And it morphed into my own thing where that's what I did when my daughter was born. I was able to quit my regular job and, um, well, not when she was born, but when, when she was, when she was little, when my, when, when my wife got married, she was able to work and we worked it into, I got successful enough for, um, I had a regular day job, but I, on my side hustle, this painting bikes made it. So I made enough money that would make up her income. So she could quit her job and be a stay at home mom, which she did for 20 years. And I was painting motorcycles. I mean, that's, I could be at home. I did it in my garage and, um, it was really creative and passionate. Plus you're doing cool stuff. You know, it's, it's like oh, yeah. you, you're working with NFL guys or something like that. You can go home at night and go, hey, this, you know, well-known person is coming to me for advice. That's pretty cool. And I felt that same way with, you know, I'd paint motorcycles and they get on cover of magazines or, or get a bunch of, you know, show accolades. It was really cool. But after a while, it just wore off and I just, I'd get the jobs in and get a lot of money for them, but I wasn't, you know, I, I never... I think you probably the same way. You never really shut down. You never lowered your quality or level of what the person that your customer was, but every single one you got was just a little bit less fun than the one before. Absolutely. And when you were done with it, you still had, you were still, you know, wow, I really helped this person. I felt good. Or I really did this cool paint job. It, it really looks cool to see. I don't want to do another one though. So yes. try to explain that to people. Um, 
you know, that's where, that's where the dreamer comes in. You always have to be, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say dreamer. I'm more just looking at it. I just call it a dreamer, but it's more of, of, we have uh, goals that we want to do and, and things that we want to, the way we want to do stuff. And a lot of people tell you, you can't do it like that because it's not the conventional way. So is that, is that ringing true? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so really I was kind of born into the fitness industry. <laughs> My dad was a professional bodybuilder. He owned a gym uh, and I got thrown into the fitness industry from a young age. And I started training, you know, more peer clients at like 17 years old. So it was just a thing. And that kind of thought that was my destiny. You know, I was, I literally had a crib in the gym and this is what I meant to do as the fitness industry. And so I did that, went to school for kinesiology and exercise sports science, had a passion ish for it. And I was really good at it, but over the years, it just like you said, every single client I had, the next one was a little less fun, a little less fun. Um, and especially before I really learned how to prune my clientele, uh, I actually still train a few clients to this day online, but they are just clients that I love. And I've been working with for six, seven years at this point. And, you know, I, I've, I've got, uh, I've got clients like that too. I stopped painting except for there's a few people if they want me to do that, that the, it's the passion of, of wanting to, to keep doing something when the, when that fire goes out it turns into, I guess I'd say it turns into a job and you don't want a job when you're a passionate person. You want, um, it really is to help people. And it, I think it, part of it is um, constant improvement. I mean, uh, constantly learning new things that you can then teach people, watch, watch other people grow with, um, from learning things that you've learned. I mean, you and me met on the Nomad Network and that's Jason Stapleton's uh, creation that well he, he funded it and put it together but it's really morphed into something that's bigger than him you know he's, oh, yeah. he's he's on there and you know a lot of i've been on other networks where someone is the the um let's say the star the person that put it together and if, if they're not on there all the time constantly pumping it it goes away mm -hmm. well this is different because this was something this was something that was created for people like us that right don't ever want to stop. And you can see, um, I don't know. Tell me if you do this, we go through the scrolling on the, on the, there's a page. So people don't know the nomad network is there'll be a link for it down below, but on the, it's an visually, it's a normal social media platform. I mean, it's, it's pretty much set like that. So you have a news feed that you're reading through, but as you're going through, do you find yourself looking at other people's questions, concerns, and even though you might not have like some of the guys that do the Bitcoin stuff, I know nothing about that, you know, and they have some question about it and we, I can learn from that. So then I go down a rabbit hole of talking with them about it and trying to understand. And, uh, you know, it'll always turn into something that had to do with art or, or, um, you know, like there's a lot of fitness people on there too. Do you find yourself when you're reading through the, um, the feed kind of jumping into other people's dreams and kind of just feeling their passion? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I hate that. I can't remember these people's names. I'm so bad at names. I'm, I'm uh, bad too. <laughs> uh, but I mean, everything from real estate, which is something I've never thought of in my life is, you know, getting into real estate investing. Now I'm weirdly fascinated by it. I don't think I'll ever get into it as a job, but it's really interesting to me because we have a lot of guys in the nomad network that do that kind of stuff. And right. they're, you know, starting and 
creating new different ideas of how to get to where they want to go. And I'm like, wow, that's creative. I'd never would have thought of that. That's super cool. All that kind of stuff. No, I, it, I, it's such an awesome community. It is. I think, and that's, that's really one of the ways I like it. And what spurred this meeting here of just us talking today was, was um, uh, you posted up, you, you, you got real humble and said, I don't know if this is a good idea, but you posted up a, uh, uh, a story that you're running, really a story, but just a, a, a talk or a, what do you call it? A blog. Yes. Um, words, they don't always come through my mind. And I read it and I was like, wow, you just described me so well, but you weren't talking about me. You were talking about you and just the fact that you're a person much like myself. And we tend to think of ourselves like this, that we're the only one, but um, we we're always looking past whatever's next, you know, it, it's, and it's not like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. That's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. This is more of, of, you know, of a personal growth thing that can, that's constant. You know, I tell people I'll never retire from working because I'm never going to retire from working. And they're like, well, why do you want to, the idea of sitting and doing nothing would make me crazy. Yes. You were the only person, uh that has I've ever heard other than myself. And I think maybe Jason talk about that. Uh, I tell people all the time, I have no intention to retire. Am I saving in case I have to for some crazy medical reason? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do I have any intention to ever retire? No, I'm going to keep pushing and trying to move the needle on whatever I'm working on because I, I do not have the personality that I can sit down and, you know, just rest. Right. And I, you know, sometimes you have to, I mean, today's a perfect example of me, one of the problems I have is time management because of the way I am and how many things I want to do. Um, I try to plan it out and I try to figure it out, but my mind just doesn't work like though. I mean, it's, you know, you'd be like squirrel. I'm going to go over here and do this now. But um, you know, at some point you have to, you have to, you have, you can't just let that run wild because you'll end up being the starving artist. You know, I'm, I'm going to use the artist world because that's what I know. And, you know, I went to, so I went to really good art school. I got a degree in product design, minored in, in photography and illustration, you know, and I've been building skills for everything. Hell, I just started doing acrylic paintings a year and a half ago, just because I felt like I should learn to do that. And the first ones were awful. They're terrible, you know, and I've got published things and I've got 30 patents to my name and I sit down and try to paint a tree and it look, you know, it's terrible. So I just dived in, dove into that, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to learn this, you know, and one of the things I did to kind of learn it, and this is what this is leading to some of the, I want to dive down a little bit, some of the questions that, or some of the things you might've done to enhance your skills on your, what you're talking about doing in the, um, what did you call it? The, um, your new endeavor. Peak performance consulting. Peak performance consulting. I love that. So that had to come from somewhere. So one of the things I did when I was playing with the, uh, when I started working with the acrylic paints and the brushes on canvas, you know, being an actual artist. And I realized I need to do, I need to figure out a way to really finally uh, refine my, my, my small detail skills. So, so I was watching, you know, YouTube university of all these artists. And I'm like, cause what paint do you use? You know, do I use this paint? Do I use this paint? What, what's better? So you know, I'm trying to figure out what to do. So I would just throw a bunch of money away. But anyway, this one girl had a, a challenge that she did where she, she painted on pennies. And I'm like, what a great idea. So I, I took 50, 50 cents, 50 pennies, and I put gesso on them, which is kind of the white primer you use on canvas before you paint. So the paint will stick to it. And I painted, um, I was going to do 50 as well. I got to 27 and then I just kind of stopped. But um, 
you know, I did like little nature scenes all on a penny, you know, little teeny, teeny little pennies. But it, then it went after did that for like a week and a half, like I do a couple every night. And then I went back to the regular canvas and all of a sudden, you know, it just exploded because now I have this huge space I'm working in. So all those little fine details really pay off because now those fine details be bigger and I can scale them up and down. And it, it, uh, it, it made a huge impact on the quality of painting. And I made a big leap forward by spending that week painting weird stuff on pennies. You know, oh, what yeah. in your, uh, you know, moving out of the, the, the fitness industry into what you're doing now, what are some of the things that kind of got you, hey, I want to do this and I'm going to try it. And, you know, what's some of the trial and errors that you had going in? Well, kind of my origin story of getting into this industry was maybe 2017-ish. I picked up the book Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler. Absolutely fantastic book if you've never read it. I would highly recommend it. Stealing Fire? Yes, Stealing Fire. I'm looking for my post-it notes as we're (laughs) talking here because I'm a professional. I was ready for this. I think I was a chapter in to Stealing Fire, Uh and I knew that this was for me and it was opening my eyes to a completely new way of thinking about performance about getting stuff done sure that there is a better way instead of just pushing harder my theory has always been uh and this was really drilled into my head when i was in the marines is just push harder just grit your teeth push harder right and keep going until you die pretty much um then i realized by reading this book that there are scientific ways to maximize your performance other than just pushing harder. Really? And uh, I learned about flow and things like that and, and different states of consciousness, how you can adapt your consciousness to do you know, this kind of task better, improve creativity or better improve analytic skills, different things like that. All that was kind of contained in the Stealing Fire book. And it sent me down this spiraling rabbit hole of absolute obsession that... I could not get out of uh, because it was the most fascinating thing in the world because once I started to learn what the science was and how to implement the science, because I'm a giant science nerd. I love the science. Like I usually, I'm not exaggerating at all. I spend my Friday nights reading research papers. (laughs) What I love doing. I am an absolute nerd and uh, I get a lot of fulfillment out of it. And so I went down this rabbit hole and uh, got locked onto this. And I realized that so many of us, especially um, people with military backgrounds, because that's what I'm around a lot is other veterans. We all just grit our teeth and push harder. Yeah, I've noticed that. I'm I'm not a veteran. I never served. But it is something that I've noticed with a lot of my veteran friends that are veterans, you know, that have been Mm -hmm. in there. That's one of the things they do is they just um, persevere, you know, persevere through it, no matter what gets thrown at you. And I, I, I try to emulate that because I think that that's, I think it, it seemed to tell me if you're wrong, because like I said, I've never served. So it seems like that's something that's really trained in and pushed in probably, especially the Marines of kind of the never give up, um, you know, fight to you die kind of mentality. And which is, I think that's what you need to be in the Marines. Absolutely. Um, but I think that a lot of people in business also do that too, in their careers. I see, I see that quite a bit with people and um, especially in the motor motorcycle industry that I'm in, like the, the push before Sturgis, when you work at a custom motorcycle shop, right before Sturgis, the big biker rally, you know, you're putting 70, 80, 90 hours a weekend 
and and the the owners piling money in there and then you've got to take all the guys and bring them all out there and if you're a small shop and it's, i mean it's, it's everything's on the line and it could all blow up yes you know it, it could be bad weather it could be you could have a motorcycle accident you could have you know who knows what can happen but you just push through it the, all the, the long hours the drive the, you know everything that needs to have happen and you work through whatever scenario is presented in front of you so I could, it's a, it's a peak performance moment at those, at those times. It's not all, all the year, but there's certain times where you're just on fire. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think having the ability to push through those obstacles is a fantastic trait until it goes too far. It's like everything else in the, in life, it, everything in moderation is good. Right. Um, and my dad, he was not military, but he had the same passion. Mm-hmm. And this is why I am in the career that I'm in now. It's because I watched my dad run a business for years and years, and it eventually killed him. Oh, uh, sure. My, my dad committed suicide in 2012. Oh, after sorry. finally just breaking. Uh, I've never seen a man have to endure as much stress, and he was my best friend. Oh, that's uh, sad. That's terrible. And so for years, I was like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way than just pushing yourself to the limit and burning yourself to death. Right. And when I found that book, Stealing Fire, it was like a key in a keyhole. And I realize, yes, there is a solution. And there are a lot of people out there, including myself, that are running themselves into the ground and eventually going to have real repercussions from it. So I'm like, I have got to learn all about this and I've got to teach people about it. I love the idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that book and I'm going to read it because it's something that I can, I definitely need. You know, I've always had, okay, we talked about earlier, you know, when I had a regular day job you know, designing motorcycle parts, accessories. And at night I was painting. So that was, that was, you know, I'd come home at night, eat dinner, tired. And I'd go out in the garage in the, the garage shop and I'd work from, you know, save seven thirty, eight o'clock till one, two in the morning painting, sometimes four or five in the morning, get up at six the next day, go back to work. Because in the middle of a, you know, in the middle of a paint job, when you're dealing with chemicals and dry times and kind of stuff like that and graphics and flames and pinstriping, there's, there's time horizons you have to hit or you're going to have to go back and redo the whole thing. So there's times where you get into it and you, you literally, if you stop, you got to start right over the next night, but then you have to move three steps back because you have to sand it all off and then repaint it and then restart again. So it's kind of like you're forced to push through and I do it. And it, you get, you get into that rhythm of that's just what you do. So when you realize you can do it, that is what you do. And it does, damn near kill you. I, I, I felt the same way when I, when I finally stopped doing it, you know, uh, I was having uh, problems with my, my joints and shoulders. I'm 53. I'm not like old, but, but from the repetitiveness of the, you know, holding a spray gun and, and airbrushing and stuff like that. And, and within a year of stopping that, those pains all went away. And, and I didn't even realize I had them, mm. you know, because you just, you're, you just, your, your mind blocks that out. So now I'm in the, in the, okay, well, just like you, how can I, there's never enough time. I don't have enough. I need another 200 years of life to do everything I want. Um, I don't, I don't understand. Well, I can't be bored. I can understand how other people could get bored. There's times mm-hmm. I don't feel like doing something, but boredom is something that I don't, I don't understand. There's too much to do. <laughs> and um, being able to, to take all of this that's going on in your brain and everything you want to do and then direct it somewhere, then you can take all of that drive and passion you have and put it in a direction that's going to actually do some good for you and for someone else. 
I think that's what your peak performance is kind of, you, you know, that's, that's what you, so tell me some more about that. What is your, what is the actual business of it? Yeah. So, um, I just work with clients one-on-one and I'll say, Hey, are you a business owner or an entrepreneur or really a dreamer that has a whole lot that they want to get done? Uh, just, but you're overwhelmed, you're stressed out. That stress is bleeding over into your family life and things like that. And how do I know how to make that sales pitch? Because that was me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for so long, and I, I had to find that that way to deal with it. And so I'll, I'll bring a client on and we'll go through, I have a nine step formula, uh, starting with, you know, basic goal setting into like advanced goal setting. But then we very quickly get into science, uh, applying neuroscience to things, psychology to things. Uh, way to ways to control your neurotransmitters in ways that maximize flow state. Uh, if you don't know what flow state is, it's uh, pretty much the uh, level of consciousness that's best for peak performance. Okay, uh, that makes so sense. So if you yeah, if you're just in a way where everything clicks, everything's working, yeah, that that's really what I teach people how to do. And then we get into time management and things like that, and uh, all that kind of fun stuff. But I take an entrepreneur or a business owner, somebody who's really stressed out, and we streamline things, we set a plan, and then we use science to make them much more effective at their work. And so they can have more fun. I can see how that would be that would be good. You know, I know with stress, anxiety, and um, um, all the things that go into try to get something or the imposter syndrome, am I going to be good enough? How, why should I even start? I, yes. I've got this passion and, and um, you know, for me, it was, I like to draw cars. I draw cars. I mean, that's everything I do. I just, I'm a car fanatic. I like motorcycles too, of course, but I'm a car fanatic. And that's all I like to draw. So all growing up, that's all I ever drew. You know, my parents were, you know, they were just tired of it. And true story. So my dad, he's 91 years old. He's still, he still works because he's never retiring either. He used to be a teacher, but he's a musician. And um, he, he retired from teaching long ago, but he's, he's been writing and, and, and doing music still since. And uh, he last November at 90 years old, he went and did a, um, they did a recording session out in Boston. He flew up to Boston, did a recording session of a bunch of his own music. And then he made a CD, which is hilarious because no one listens to CDs. So I'm working to try to get it on Spotify and get it digitalized up there. Anyway, that is awesome at 90. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, they're, I'm I'm blessed beyond reality with my parents. They're both around. He's 91. She, my mom's 90, but um, I kind of lost my train of thought, but uh, taking all the, all of these, you know, getting back to just point, pointing the direction of all, all of your passions into one thing. I know with me, that's been a problem of, okay, well, I've been a skill collector for 35 years. Mm. Really. I mean, hardcore, just, oh, I want to learn that. And I dive into it and learn it. And I, a lot of the stuff I master, not everything, but a lot of the stuff I get really good at, you know, I can weld and I can fabricate metal and do all that kind of stuff. I can do body work on a car and paint a car you know, whether from insurance job to build a full street rod from the ground up, I've done all of that. Now I'm doing painting and I've done, you know, I want to get into other kinds of painting now, even though I'm trying to still manage this new one. I want to, now I want to get into oil painting and different ways to doing that in large format stuff. And how do I get big murals to do that are 40 feet across, you know? So a guy like you could come in and work with me and say, you know what, here's what we're going to do. Everything you want to do is possible, but everything isn't probable to do at this time. So how do you, how do you help people to, to pierce that down? Cause you're saying you were the same way. 
Yes. So this That's the exact same way. The science thing, the the stealing fire book, are are some key steps. Everyone has a key step of working through that. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, that's um, <laughs> Yeah, so what I love to take people through is a very, very simple uh, kind of breakdown of goals. And this is something I'm actually doing for myself right now because mm -hmm. I'm the same way you are. Uh, I see a shiny <laughs> squirrel and I run after it. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I tend to jump into things full bore without thinking them through. Uh, it has paid off for me and it has also burned me. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so what I'd like to do is uh, I'll take a macro goal. It's like, hey, what's the number one thing? If you could achieve it in the next, let's say, five to 10 years, like, what is that? Uh, so then we break it down into like meso and macro goals, like, you know, your traditional goal setting of how to get there. Right. And then we take everything that is vital to accomplishing that goal. Uh, everything that's going to take creativity everything that's going to take a lot of brain power. And then we list that out in sequential order. Okay. Then we start to knock those things out during uh, what I call a flow block. This is the period of the day that one aligns with your circadian rhythm, that you're the most awake, most right. conscious, right. and your brain is firing at its best. And we do things to prep ourselves and to be able to get into flow state, to attack those with maximum creativity, maximum analytical skills, and maximum problem solving. And then we delineate the needle movers from the things that have to get done. Right. Getting your account at the taxes. You know, stuff yeah. like that. Stuff I do not want to do and I will procrastinate to the end of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that stuff can be done whatever time of the day, whenever you have time for it. But we maximize our time in our natural maximized rhythms to take out the high priority things first. And then we start knocking out those micro goals. And before you know it, you're hitting your mid-level goals, and then you kind of just continue to reassess your goals and uh, maintain the same thing of delineating between what has to be done when you're at your maximum creative or analytic, analytical, rather, and uh, what can just be done whenever. That's just monotonous. That you know, stuff we all have to do. You bring up a you bring up something really interesting because I always find that there's a there's a time block where I'm the most creative every day, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just you know you sit down, you're fired up, and you can just go. I've one of the things that came to mind is, is, you know, my time block that I'm really creative. It, it, there's two little spots. One is, excuse me, in the, um, in the morning and I'm not an early morning person. I always wish I was a morning person, but this is one of the things that, that, that trips you up because you, you should be like, okay, man, if I got up at five 30 in the morning and work till eight, I could get a lot more done. I just can't do it because I do it. And I'm, I'm just a zombie. You know, I try to do it, but I'm a zombie, but you know, from about nine o'clock till noon, I'm just absolutely on fire. And then at night, so I'm a night owl. So like I could work from 10 o'clock till three in the morning. And this is what I was doing when I was doing the painting stuff, but it was more physical work, but just the thinking and the painting and the drawing, it's my mind is really focused at that time. But, you know, late afternoon, trying to do something creative. Now I'm in a job where you have to, I mean, you're, you're you know, I do graph, the graphic design, I do product design. And you have to be creative. You have to work through that. You have to push through that. But like you said, when you find, I, I try to do the mundane stuff in the afternoon. You know what I mean? The, okay, um, we've, got, we've got this, this product. I've got to do a, a blueprint for this to send it to a manufacturer so they know what to do. Well, that's, 
during I, you hate doing that. And you put dimensions on here. This is round. We want this to be this green of this Pantone color. You know, it's the boring stuff. Right. The fun stuff was making this, <laughs> you know, and I do, you know, the more that I can do in the morning and stuff or in the afternoons is a great time for the testing of things. You know, we, we say, okay, we have our parts. We're trying to, we've created this really cool thing. Does it work? Mm. You know, so it's kind of, you've, 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 you've done the creative part. You've got through that and, and been efficient at it. And then the afternoon where you're not as creative, but you can be analytical, like you were saying, that's a good analytical time, you know, to ponder and think and work in the team. And uh, no, I think that what society and people that you know, because that's what most people listen to is people that you know, you tend to be in their same schedules. Um, the, the peak time to do what you need to do when you need to do it is not always, actually it's probably very rarely exactly at the same time as anyone else. Is, is that true? Yes, or? that is absolutely true. Uh, so my creativity time, oh, and uh, before I forget, I will forget this. Uh, there's a book called Deep Work. I believe it's by Cal Newport, Deep Work. Okay. In, his, in it, he does a great job of breaking down the neuroscience and psychology that you can really only get good, high-quality work done, especially from a creative or mental capacity, unless you have trained this skill for years and years for about four hours a day. That's a I agree. I, 100%. 100% agree with that. Yes. So you the 5.30 to 8 o'clock, if you're trying to be creative, there is no chance. Your work <laughs> is like probably going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the way it is with me. Absolutely. And uh, when you're in that groove, you know, it, you feel it's not a, it's, um, things come to you easier in it. Uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm making art, especially when I'm trying something new. So, you know, when I mentioned the acrylic paints, it's not that I don't know how to draw or paint. I'm, 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 I'm fighting with the medium trying to learn it. You know, mm -hmm. I know what the thing's supposed to look like. I know how to make the sky blue and the grass green and trees look like trees, but how do I make this material with this tool do that yes and in that creative time when you can really when you when you're in the in that zone that comes so much easier so much flower so when i get out of that zone and i start realizing you can feel it, you feel it go away when you're working on something and you feel it and whether it's fixing something on a car out in the garage or or doing yard work or doing something creative or probably you know probably working with somebody you can feel when the passion starts to it's you still have it but the, it's just your brain saying you know what we're not doing this anymore we gotta do something else for right. a little while and that's the time you know for me where i could go back i, I said all right you know and grab a beer and go up and sit down in front of youtube and start watching a video about what i was just doing <laughs> by by somebody that's way better than maybe I'll ever be, but it, it sparks that. And I don't want to go back downstairs and, and work right away, but having just come out of this huge creative process in the right time, and then being able to watch somebody else do it better that it can learn from, it's like the brain's opened up for that. And it's ready to sit and relax and just take something in and start it instead of try to push something out. Yes. Um, and time blocking like that has been a game changer for me and my clients as well. Um, something that I think will be super valuable to people like us. So the dreamers of the world, um, the people who are always thinking ahead to the next thing. And for me right now, that is the most ambitious product of, uh, like project of my life, should I say? Um, and I would be happy to talk about that in the future, but right now I don't have any trademarks for it or anything. Yeah. <laughs> don't want it to get stolen. Um, but I am super crazy about this next project that I'm on. Like, I'm so excited. Like I, I truly think that what I'm working on is going to change the world. 
uh, I am the guy that absolutely believes I can put it in the world. And I think this is how I'm going to do it. Um, but if I allow myself to be fully taken over by my obsession to get this done, I will lapse at my ability to coach and consult to a high yes. quality level. Yes, I can see that. Yes. Absolutely. So um, I have a, a strategy that I've implemented with great success to allow myself to get the get the passion out and still perform at a high level and still move towards my ultimate goal. Uh, three times a week for three or for an hour each time. The three times. Wow, words are hard today. <laughs> <laughs> I feel three you. times a week for an hour. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. I have what I call skunk time, and the I came up with this term borrowing it from Lockheed Martin's skunk works. Yeah. Yeah. Where I work on the crazy ambitious ideas mm -hmm. and that with no, with no holds barred. Yes. With just kind of any idea is as good or stupid as the next idea. Absolutely. Get it out. Yeah. And I will push forward on that and I will make things happen in that direction. If it fails and flops, I'll find something else that's new and shiny and go work on that. But it allows me to get that, that dreamer and that, that itch to really push hard at the goal while not killing the golden goose and like running my business into the ground. Does that right. make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I, I find when I start, when I, you know, when it was the same when I started welding, when I started learning how to weld, it's all of a sudden all I wanted to do. I mean, it was completely encompassing. I'm like, I'm taking two pieces of metal and melting them together. I'm like, God, you know, you start feeling like this is, it's, it's a euphoria. Um, my personal opinion is every human being on the, on the earth is, is a complete lunatic and crazy, but mm -hmm. we're just, there's functioning crazy. And then there's, you know, psychopathic crazy, but I think crazy is crazy. And I can't balance a checkbook. I, if it wasn't for my wife, I, I don't know what I do. I could, you know, draw the checkbook. I can to develop money. I can fill the checkbook with, with uh, cash, but keeping up on it and writing it down, my brain doesn't work that way. And oh, yeah. admitting that, you know, finding as a dreamer, you kind of want to, be good at everything, but being able to say, you know what? I really suck at this. Um, I'm dyslexic. When we talk and online and stuff like that, people hear that I'm dyslexic. And so when you see the word, the word puzzles that are all garbled up and stuff like that, or they have the, you know, they change it all. I can read it like it's plain English because that's mm -hmm. the way I read everything it has to be like that. And it's just crazy. How do you how do you figure out on those kind of things on, on, when you're struggling with what you're working on that? Okay. I'm really bad at these things. We talked a little bit about taxes and, and accounting. Well, no one likes that unless you're an accountant. So that's, it's different than that of the things you have to do, but what's the things that like, you know what? I still have to do these things, even though I'm bad at them right now, but as I grow, I would be able to get other people to do this for me. Uh, you're talking about me personally. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm just asking that as a, as a personal question, yeah. you know, it's a, where, where we, we, you have your strengths and you have your weaknesses. How do you, how do you, how do you balance those? Or how do you, I mean, you don't have to tell me I'm good at this and I suck at this, but it's more <laughs> of how do you balance? I'm, I'm not very good at this. I need to get better. I need to know it. So in the future, I can have someone else do it, but still understand it. Yes. So really for me, it's just been years of trial and error and learning uh, that I am good at taking very complex issues and boiling them down into something that's manageable. Mm -hmm. I am good at taking, you know, a thousand research papers and putting it in and making a program out of it. That that's what I'm good at. Right. What I am absolutely the worst at is one, anything tech related. 
uh, <laughs> I am not good at it. I have spent a ton of money hiring people to do tech stuff for me. Sure. Uh, I have learned that no matter how hard I try, just from trial and error, I know I can spend as long as I want to on this. I will not figure it out. Right. I have to have somebody come in and do this for me. Um, accounting and things like that, not great at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will get bored and my mind will start wondering and I'll start screwing stuff up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything I, that's I, really, we, are, yeah. we are exactly the same there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and so I've just learned to accept that I constantly am pushing for shiny object. And if that applies to technology is a great example. Uh, if there's something wrong in the code on my website, I do not have the patience to sit down and find it. Uh, I will get bored and see a distraction and go do something else. Uh, with accounting, like I just said, before I get done with it, I'm going to get bored and go do something else or be thinking about something else and mess it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, I haven't found a better way than trial and error and then just accepting the things that you're bad at, um, getting help when you know that you're kind of bad right. at those things. Uh, I that's have not what I was, that's where I was hoping you would land on is that getting help and, and it's okay to admit, admit you can't do something. It's, it's all right. It's okay to say, you know what? I am really bad at this. I have to do it. Mm-hmm. I could use some help. And especially people getting started out on any kind of business or anything, you don't have the money to pay people, but lean on people that know what they're doing. And I think as dreamers, we want, um, you know, or visionaries or whatever you want to call it, inventors, we want, um, we want to feel confidence with other people thinking, well, we want other people to be confident with our ideas yes. and, and they very rarely are because yes. our ideas are usually out there, you know, absolutely. And the Steve jobs of the world that, you know, he's the one that everyone goes to and Elon Musk, but that's true. I mean, they really, mm-hmm. they really did it. Um, have you read the book zero to one? Yes. I have. Thiel. Fantastic. Just kind of describes this as, as you know, you can build a m- better mousetrap, but mm-hmm you know, build a whole different thing. Don't even, don't even think about it as a mousetrap, you know, and that's, that's the kind of thing that they did, you know, with, with PayPal, you know, remember it earlier the, the days, you know, pay, buying anything on eBay in the nineties was a pain in the ass, mm-hmm. you know, paying for it, it's like, well, I don't know if it's, I'm going to send $3,000 to this person is even going to get it. You can get a check and then maybe they don't cash it for two months. And is this peak, you know, it was crazy. And, and PayPal was just them sitting there going, well, Let's uh, let's just make it so you can do it online. And then and then he's like, okay, well, that that makes perfect sense. It's not the first person to imagine that thought about that. But he says, you know what we should do? Why don't we just pay people to, to use it? And they're like, you know, it's completely opposite <laughs> of any business thing you've ever thought. It's it's a dreamer moment. It's a it's a yes. And they were doing that. They give you 10 bucks or 20 bucks to set up an account, and then you could use your PayPal account and and it exploded, you know, and it made them these guys a couple billion dollars. Oh yeah. You know, so it can happen. And a lot of these people were, they, they weren't educated. They weren't, you know, uh, Ivy league people. They, they were just hardworking people that were smart, sharp, and knew what they needed to learn and where they needed to learn it. And they did that. Right. Absolutely. Uh, self-awareness is the pinnacle of peak performance really. Um, and there's a book that goes right along with what you're talking about. It's called bold by Peter Diamandis. Hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. I have read this book five times. I just finished reading it last night for the fifth time. It is the dreamer's handbook. It is one of the best practical applications of taking something 
that's crazy and ambitious and making it come to life. And um, it, it's absolutely incredible. And another thing that it addresses, uh, it doesn't do a whole lot of it because it's mostly practical application of how to go from an idea to putting this thing, you know, changing the world. But it does address the loneliness, which is something we were talking about before I think we started recording was right. the absolute loneliness that you can feel as someone who is ambitious and a dreamer and someone who's a visionary looking towards the future and something that people can't even imagine uh, could exist. And it, it's a very lonely place to be. Yeah, uh, it is. That, that, that's, a, you know, that's a very good point because when you can see it and have the vision, it's not a matter of, I think I can do this if I work hard. It's, I know what it's going to be you know what the end's going to be. I have, you know, you, you, you know what this is. Here's, here's the thing. I, I, I have no idea how to get there, but this is, if I can do it, this is it. And you know, it, you know, it's there, you know, it'll work. Now, does it always work? No. In fact, most times it's going to fail horribly. Absolutely. But all you need is one time for it to work. It's like a terrorist. <laughs> they only have to, they only have to be right once. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's kind of like the good side of terrorism. Either side flip that around but <laughs> the the so that's kind of a little bit maybe we can we can talk a little bit about that and we'll uh, we'll yeah. end it on that and we should do this again because i'd like to go into more uh, of what you're doing but the the idea that you're the only person that has a crazy idea that just might work mm. um keeps people from starting and yes. so seek out people that will at least listen to you they might tell you they're crazy too and, you know, one of, the, one of the great pieces of advice I got from somebody was from, again, Jason Stapleton, when he said, don't take advice from people that haven't done what you're asking them or advice them. Yes. You know, friends and family are all looking out for you. You know, they want to, they don't want you to have a, you know, you, you get a real job. You don't do that, you know, and, but if they haven't done it, you know, so listening, there's things that advice that I've heard him say, Jason Stapleton say that I, it's not for me. It's in, the, it's in the trading world and stuff. And I don't understand that world. It, it, it fascinates me. Every time I go down it, my eyes glaze over and I I'm, I'm go back to painting something. But when he starts talking about um, podcasting, how to, how to talk to people, how to, how to you know, uh, even though, because I don't know if he's dyslexic, but he has the same grammar problems that I do. Or <laughs> I just, I won't see it. My grammar is terrible. I can write, but my grammar is terrible. So, what seeing what someone like that has built that built multi-million dollar companies on uh, just talking and just being able to 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 use the spoken word really because that's all it was how we built it all he had skills but being able to tell people about those skills is important and if you're a dreamer you tend to skip over that part because you're so excited right so take a minute and what you're talking about and it's current compartmentalizing kind of some stuff, using some science, take a breath when you're going to um, uh, explain something and um, look into a camera or into a mirror, just like we're doing here and, and, and take the painful step of watching it, of watching what you do, how you, how you explain. Now that is something you can bring over to somebody that's a friend or a family person and say, I'm not necessarily asking you what you think of my idea. I want to know what you think about how I present it because they're going yes. to give you an honest answer about that. And that will make you improve. It'll also enhance your relationship with these people 
because unless they're just jerks, but, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. you know, to say, boy, the way you put that really makes a lot of sense. Why didn't you explain it to me like that? That's what I've found when I've done that exercise. Yes. Uh, it's very interesting that you say that because my goal for today was to practice how I am explaining my new project. <laughs> I have not got it down yet. Uh, it, it, it doesn't, it makes sense in my head. I can yes. envision it. I feel it in my soul, but I cannot explain it to somebody yet. Right. And I have practiced and practiced and it's getting better. I was hoping that like by tonight, I would have a decent way of explaining it. I do not. And I spent months trying to figure out uh, how to tell people that I'm a peak performance coach uh, and like what that entails. And I am still refining that. Uh, just the communication to get the ideas from my head to somebody else's head is, is such a hurdle that you have to practice. It is a skill set. This communication thing is so incredibly important. Right. And miscommunicating, miscommunicating your dream could kill your dream because exactly. you're going to need help. Yeah, exactly. And especially miscommunicating it to a person that maybe you want to partner with to fulfill that dream if they don't understand it fully and can clearly and concisely, it can change the whole thing. Well, absolutely. I'll also say, do you have um, anywhere that you want to plug or a website or anything like that? You don't have to. I mean, we don't necessarily need one, but uh, if there's anywhere that someone can find out more about what you're doing, I'd be happy to uh, let them know. Yeah, absolutely. So the probably the best place to go to find out really what I'm about and to understand me as a person is my Substack. Uh, it's Hyper Performance. Hyper Performance on Substack. That's my, my blog there where I do a lot of writing <clears throat> on that specific place. I try to be as brutally honest as possible about what I'm going through, knowing and hoping often that it will relate to someone else in my position. I know I can't be the only one writing this blog uh, that I posted on the Nomad Network was seriously eye-opening for me. I th truly thought I was a lot more alone than I am. And the feedback that I got from it to know that I'm not alone was awesome. So I really try to write stuff on stu Substack to help other people not feel alone as well. Awesome. I think that's great. And like I said, the, uh, that, uh, we, we've never really, we've never met in person, of course, cause you're, what, what state are you in? Alabama now you're in Alabama and I'm in Wisconsin. So we've never met. And, um, we've just known each other basically from the Wednesday night get togethers on the nomad network where we yep. just kind of discuss things and listen. And, um, you know, I'm always, I'm always attracted to the, 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 the passion that you have for, for what you're talking about, you know, it comes out. And I think that I like to align with people like that. Um, and then when you wrote this article and when I'll, eventually you'll put that article out public or something like it. Yes. And I will put a link to that in this, in this show so they can see it. Because if you are out there and you're a creative person, and I don't mean creative artist type, I'm just a creative mind that can, it can be a business. It can be in gardening. It can be in anything. Um, you'll want to read this article because it'll, it, it's going to hit home for you. And I haven't heard, I haven't read anything like that before where it, it was so much, it was a description of me, my creative process, my worries, my, my fears, my, my frustration. And it was just well done. So Caleb, I really appreciate you coming on here today and um, we're going to have to do this again. I'm looking forward to uh, um, probably working with you a little bit because for everything you described here, so you're, you, what you say isn't a, a great explanation of what you do. I'm already, no, I need it, whatever it is. So 
you did describe it very well because I don't even know what it is yet. And I know I need it. I know that that is something that you're going down the right path. So again, thanks. Absolutely. And, uh, we'll Thank you so much, Ken. Yeah, great. no problem. We'll see you guys. We'll see you guys. We'll see you on the network. I'll see you later.